So when I first started my content journey, I got hair extensions. I had eyelash oh my extensions. Gosh. I was doing all of the things until I realized like, I don't have that kind of time to devote to my looks because I'm not selling my looks. Yeah. I'm selling my experience. I'm selling my education. I'm selling my knowledge. And so the looks component really shouldn't be the most important thing. If that's not what you're selling, if that's what you're selling, then that's a different story. Yeah. Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm really excited to bring to you today an interview with Laura Stewart. Laura Stewart is the Vice President of Canada's top real estate firm, REC Canada. She spent the last eight years helping over 1,200 investors build out their real estate portfolios. She has turned her attention to helping other real estate agents achieve top-tier success through content creation. She is the owner and operator of From the Ground Up Media, and her company helps real estate and business owners produce, edit, and post content on social media with the objective of helping them build a community to do more deals. I'm super excited to dig into this because you obviously know as a podcast and content creator, I believe that that is the way to reach people, to make an impact on people. And I love hearing from people who do this as a business, how we can do this better to be able to have the impact that we want to have on the world. So I'm super excited to dig into this. Before we do, I want to take just a minute to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Design Your Life Group Coaching Program. If you are somebody who is looking for that support that you need to get to the next level of success for yourself, if you feel like you've done everything right up to this point and for some reason something's still missing, or you feel like you need that extra level of accountability, support, knowledge, then let's work together to design what your life should look like and give you the tools, resources, and information that you need to build the life that you've always wanted. If this sounds like something that you're interested in, head over to successdevelopmentsolutions.com slash contact, book a call with me, and let's find out how we can get you to living the life that you've always wanted. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dig into this conversation with Laura. Laura, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Amber. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We spoke a little off camera and I'm excited to see where this one goes today. <laughs> you and me both. I feel like I love these conversations with individuals like yourself who have a business and then you have found ways to make that business visible and then you translate that to others. Um, I feel like there's so many people out there who are trying to teach something that they haven't done themselves yet. And it's really interesting to me to see somebody translate social media across all platforms um, and all businesses. 
I can imagine though that you weren't like little 12, 13 year old Laura saying, Hey, let's be a social media consultant. No, I, I can safely say to you that I was not. I'm actually also, my day job is really a real estate agent. Okay. And zero part of me as a kid ever wanted to get into sales. I didn't like really talking to strangers, quite honestly. <laughs> uh, my parents had to like force me to pick up the phone to make orders for pizza because I was so fearful of the phone. Oh so, my like, god! Really no part of me was was interested in sales. Um but I was always kind of that kid. I really enjoyed drama class. I loved presenting. I did like always the cameras and the eyes on me. So that was always, always good with me. So social media has kind of been an amazing opportunity for me to put myself out there instead of me waiting to for someone to put me on stage or for yes. someone to put a camera on me. This was my ability to put the camera on myself. So that was actually quite amazing. Um, but yeah, as a kid, I mean, really, I, I, I would just wanted to be successful. I wasn't sure what that looked like. And so I really went and, and sought guidance from guidance counselors or people who were older than me and said like, what can I do to be successful? And this is back, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands where science. So they was said, everything. go to college, get go a to science degree, go, yep. go to university and get a science degree. That was like the only way you were ever going to be successful in life. And I listened to them sadly and unfortunately. Um, but at the same time, I'm very happy with where I've gotten. So perhaps it all happens for a reason. But yeah, if I were to do it again, I probably wouldn't have. I got a degree in science that I have not used a single day in my life after the degree was over. So that was a waste <laughs> of four years and quite a bit of money. Um, and then I, I kind of set my sights on a new beginning. Like now what do I want to do with my life? Uh, the world was my oyster. I was 22 years old. I thought I had all the time in the world left. Um, so I kind of started looking at myself like, well, what are some of the things that I like to do when I'm not working? Where, where's my time naturally? Where does time kind of like fly by without me even noticing it? And I felt a lot of my time was actually spent looking at clothes, looking at fashion. Perhaps that's stereotypical of every 22-year-old girl. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, so I thought I would try my hand at fashion. I went back to, to college just to get like a buying certificate and worked at a, a department store. I, I somehow managed to get a highly coveted internship position at Holt Renfrew, which is like a luxury department store in their buying department. And uh, I thought, this is amazing. Like, I'm going to be a fashion buyer. I'm going to be just like Rachel from Friends. That was yes. the job she had. I mean, I'm such a product of, of Without the era, coffee and all of the hangers yeah. and all of it, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, she never really actually worked a day in her life on that show. Um, true. But I thought that would have been like the most amazing job in the world until I realized nothing in this job is ever going to allow me to afford the clothes that I'm helping to sell. Like I would never be a customer of Holt Renfrew. Um, I would only ever be buying for people at Holt Renfrew. And I thought, damn, I don't think this is going to work for me. Like I, I want to be the, I want to be the customer. I want to be the person mm -hmm. who shops here full price. I don't need the discount that they gave me. Um, so I went back to university, decided more education. Let's just throw more time at the school Always system. the answer, right? Always the answer is more education. I think I just didn't know myself that well yet, mm -hmm. right, Amber? Like I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but what I knew was that I didn't like what I was doing. So I kept yeah. looking for the right answer. Uh, went back to school, did a four-year stint uh, getting my MBA, and it was kind of there where I really got to sink my hands in the marketing and branding side of things. I took a lot of courses in that field. I ended up with a minor in, in marketing and communications. And then 
a little birdie put in my head. That birdie is now my husband, but my boyfriend <laughs> at the time. He said, you'd be a great real estate agent. Amber, I got to tell you, and you've probably heard this from a lot of real estate agents, like anyone that you've ever spoken to, like we all just kind of land here yes. as realtors. Like none of us are born thinking, I want to be a real estate agent. I feel there is a shift happening, but certainly not from my era did people think they wanted to be a real estate agent. That was kind of like a, oh, you didn't know what else to do. Yes. You divorced your husband and now you're <laughs> back in the workforce. Like those were all the reasons to become a real estate agent. So I said, sure, my husband, like he's a smart man. He sounds like he's a real estate agent too. So he, you know, he knows what he's talking about. So then I decided to get my real estate license at the same time while doing my master's while I was a nanny during the day. Okay, guys, like I hustled. I was nannying <laughs> during the day to a special needs person. And then I would go and do my MBA at night. And then on weekends, I would do my real estate uh, training courses that you needed to do. And that is kind of how it all came to be where I've, I've now in real estate. Um, and again, it's been a struggle here too. Cause like I said, I'm not a natural salesperson. So yeah, <laughs> it has there's, not been easy. There's so much that I want to hit on that you talked about. And do you ever have those conversations with somebody and you're hearing them tell their story and you're like, Oh my God, I'm talking to me. Like, am I in some third dimension? Right. And talking to myself because my story is so similar with, and I think it's generational. It's generational. Mm -hmm. The education was supposed to be the fix to everything. And, you know, this is one of the things that I harp on so much when I talk to people is that we all reach some point where we realize that education isn't going to give us what we thought it was going to give us. That, you know, for me, it was a law degree and, you know, practicing law and everything was supposed to be okay. And then I'm sitting in this office four years into practicing going, okay, when does it get better? Like, when do all the problems go away, right? When yeah. does this whole magic education shit kick in? Because I just don't get it. Um, so you talked so much about going back and getting more education and doing this and, and doing that. And I think what's really cool about your story is that everything led to where you are now. And I don't think that you would have been here without all of those experiences at some point, though, you had to step out of that traditional education being the answer, because I think that it's fair to say that everything that you've learned has informed what you do as a real estate agent. A hundred percent. You still don't use your degree per se, but without them, you wouldn't be the real estate agent you are. Yeah, that's just it, right? Like, you have to look at your experiences and draw something from it, right? So I have a science degree. I, I, I definitely know how to consume a lot of knowledge and decipher what's important. I have a pretty good memory on things, um, probably all from just training myself in that degree. Then the fashion, fashion was really like creative for me. It, it allowed me to express myself in ways that I wanted. What it also got me was like a hunger for success and a hunger mm -hmm. for more for myself, um, whether that's good or bad. I mean, we can touch on that too. I, I've gone up and downwards with that one on its own, but that definitely drove that. Then being a nanny, like patience. I, I mean, I was taking care of someone who's 20 years old. She couldn't bathe herself. She couldn't feed herself. So I was really her caregiver. And the amount of patience required to have the same conversation with the same human every single day and not move forward um, is a great skill that I have now in my real estate degree. And then, of course, everything in between, like meeting people at school, learning how to converse with people from all different backgrounds, 
figuring out a way to like jive with people, even though you don't, you on the surface, it looks like you may might have nothing in common. Like that's a right. great skill to have. And then being a real estate agent has kind of given me like enough sales that that has helped me now in my new business venture. While, you know, it's not been my my biggest skill set, but you kind of got to plug the holes for your weaknesses. Like I definitely believe you should focus on your strengths, but if something is really a weakness for you, you kind of have to patchwork that up and like figure yeah. out a hack on how to deal with that. And so all those things have, I think, made me um, a great leader in my company now because I understand what each department's doing. I understand what each role is for because quite frankly, I've probably done that role <laughs> or something similar to that role so I can relate to the people. A lot of times we hear the riches are in the niches. I am one of those people who I am a jack of all trades, <laughs> like, yeah. master of none. And that doesn't always resonate for everybody, but it's about self-awareness. Like my whole life, I've been pretty good at things, but never great at anything. Right. You know, I've kind of like figured out math. I figured out science. I was great at gym class. I figured out drama. Like I liked everything. I was decent at everything. And, you know, I'm not by any means using that as a bragging it's right. hindered me in a lot of ways but it's also helped me really relate to a lot of people relate to the business world on a lot of different um different avenues yeah it's so there's a couple things and i love this jack of all trades quote because it through the telephone game that is memes and social media it got cut off have you heard the full quote do you know the full quote yeah. So um, for those of you who don't know it, you know, a master, I, no, a jack, I don't actually. You I don't know it. Know. <laughs> okay, cool. So a jack of all trades, master of none was like, it's been now kind of bastardized for us to say you should focus on one thing. But the original quote was a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And that gets cut off to well, fulfill it, the agenda <laughs> that we want to fulfill. And the first time I heard that, I got goosebumps because I was like, we live in a world where people are saying you can't have a plan B. You've got to focus on your plan B, plan A. A jack of all trades is never a master of one. And they just stopped the rest of the quote. They just stopped saying it. And well, I feel stupid now because I didn't know to that. be a compliment. <laughs> so no, don't don't feel that way at all. Like it's it's um it's I think the entrepreneurial community has brought that back to awareness to say, hey, look, like if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you got to do all the shit, right? You, you got to do it all. You can't be um, a one trick pony or else you're never going to Well, that's funny. I, I, what I've learned, like um, working particularly in the fashion industry is that you had some people who were great designers, right? And they were or great stylists, great marketers, great merchandisers. But then they wanted to move up the ranks to become managers. But managing means you've taken yourself out of doing that thing that you were so good at. And a lot of people flounder as managers because they're like, I'm A, I'm not even passionate about it. I don't really like managing people. I'm not a good delegator. Like those are all a lot of soft skill sets that people don't necessarily have naturally. Right. And then they, like you hear a lot of people say, like, I'd rather go back to my old job because that was when I was doing something I yeah. really loved because they were a master probably at something. Yes. Um, and so you really just have to know, like, it's not always about going up the corporate ladder. It's sometimes it's about like understanding, like, I'm good at this one thing and I'm just going to hammer down on this or I'm good at like I'm decent at enough things that that might give me uh, one leg up on on. Uh, in a company or an industry where, you know, 
it might be more artistic and it doesn't make sense. Like if you're not that artistic, then let's not do that job. Let's go find another job to do. So I think it's really about like reflecting on yourself. Who am I as a person? And I hear this all the time and it makes me so sad for, for people who are younger than us um, where they'll say like, well, I'm not good at anything. And mm-hmm. it makes me sad because I, you know, you were saying earlier, like when you feel like you've had that conversation, but it's been with yeah. yourself. I, I, I've said that so many years, like I'm not good at anything because I look, I compare myself to all these other people. It's like, well, that guy's good at selling or that girl's good at, um, fashion, that girl's good at whatever it is. Right. And you think I I just don't have the thing, but understanding that you might not having something that stands out is okay. As long as you know that, like, you're going to use all those other skills that you're good at to really propel your career. Yeah. And this is where that uncomfortable self-analysis that we all have to do is so important because so many times we want to be something different than we are because we think that it will make us feel different than we feel right now. And in order for us to decide whether that's actually true, we have to be honest about what we're good at and what we're not good at. And we live in a society that's told us that it's not okay to not be good at things. And so it's this really uncomfortable place to be of saying like, I just suck at this and I'm making the choice not to get better because I really don't care about getting better at it. And I'm okay with the opportunities that I may not have because I'm not good at it. But that's a, that's a hard, honest conversation to have with yourself. The me leaving my science degree, the highly coveted, you know, like, Oh, she's got a science degree, me leaving that and finding myself three years, four years later as a nanny, like working out of someone's home as, as a nanny, not that there's anything wrong with being a nanny, but in my mind, what I had desired for myself at the ripe age of 25, which is ironic <laughs> looking back because you're so damn young. But like, you know, I, I thought my friends are going to make fun of me because my friends mm-hmm. have now been working for three, four or five years now. They've had success and have gotten promoted. And I'm like on purpose demoting myself. And that was a hard pill to swallow. Like I had countless sleepless nights where I was like, should I do this? I don't know. I, But at some point there's just like that, little gut, like, you know, and just telling you, it's like, you're not going to be happy if you don't try this. And so I doubled down on it. And I'm very thankful for making that decision because now, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of those same people. They're now well into their thirties, pushing 40. And it's like, shit, like, I don't like my job. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I was going to ask you how many of them were still happy with what they were doing, but more importantly, did you ever have the opportunity to have really honest conversations with them about what they thought about what you were doing? Because I would venture that most of them were like, man, I really wish that I could have the courage to devote myself and focus on something that I love. Yeah. I probably had that conversation with a couple of my closer friends, but sometimes you also assume that people are just telling you what Yes. Like they think that you want to hear. Um, so yeah, some of them would say, Oh, that's so great. Kudos to you. Good job. Like all the niceties and they probably meant them, but again, not maybe not having the confidence. I just thought they're just saying that to me, right? Like that's just lip service. So I really have no clue how they truly feel. Um, I feel bad for some of them because I know that now they've gotten to that same place that I was at and when you've put in 15 years into a career, it's a lot harder to switch that career than when you've only put two or three years. Yeah. And so I think I made those decisions early on, which I'm happy with because, 
you know, at some point you got mortgage payments, you got kids, you have all these responsibilities that leaving that job, that safe job is just not really an option for a lot of people, or they feel it's not an option for them anymore. It's certainly harder, no matter what, if they choose to do it or not to do it, it's definitely a harder decision than it was when I was 23. And yeah, I feel, I feel unfortunately bad for a bit of them. Um, but I, you know what, Amber, I, I truly wish I had those conversations. Like you're saying yeah. it, and I'm trying to think back. I'm like, I don't think I had enough honest conversations with my friends. I think I was one of those people that also knew, like, if I asked for their opinion, and they give me a different answer, like not the answer that I want, that's going to actually hurt my ability to make decisions. Mm. Sometimes when you tell people your plans, they give their opinion. And yeah. then it kind of, can I swear on this show? Kind of oh, always. Fuck. Yeah, it fucks you all up. <laughs> <laughs> I right? need to just and start putting that in the email I send out to people. Can like swear, swear away. Yes. Yeah. I have I have a podcast too, and I'm I'm like that as well. And just because you know, gives some good emphasis, right? And yes, so I, it really yeah, does. I think those conversations would have fucked me up a little bit. And so yeah. I I probably didn't have them on purpose, in all honesty. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back just a little bit because there's something that you said in the very beginning of your story where you were talking about working in this fashion store and realizing that you were never in that situation going to make enough money to be a customer of that store. Um, and I'm interested to know what your upbringing was like. Um, were you surrounded by that type of influence growing up or was this the first time that you really saw that level of success and knew that it was possible? So I'm, um, I was born and raised in the suburbs just outside Toronto. So definitely had a comfy life. Like I would say we were a middle class family, maybe later on in my dad's career, upper middle class. So I definitely have no compl real complaints on that end. But we, we had a nice cozy life and we surrounded ourselves with very similar people. Like everyone who lived in the neighborhood, everyone who I went to school with were all very similar. What my parents did, and I thank them for it, like I, I truly feel this is one of the best decisions they did. They put us in, uh, they had us ski race as, as young kids. My dad thought that was a great sport because when we were older, we could still do it. And when we're skiing and training, like my parents were off socializing, doing their thing versus like the quintessential Canadian hockey family where you just sit in the arena sit. at 7 a.m. Yeah. Freezing your butt off, right? So my parents like liked the ski thing over hockey. And in doing that, I realized it kind of opened my eyes up to a world of wealth that I really had no experience with when I was younger. Um, the, you know, I made friends with people whose parents owned businesses, some of them entrepreneurs, a lot of lawyers, a lot of doctors, um, but had multiple properties. Like they had their ski chalet, they had a cottage. Some of them even had a Florida residence just for whenever they got there. I don't know even when that would be. And then, of course, they had their their mansion in Toronto. And I remember feeling so out of place with this group of people. Like, I felt so poor, which is yeah. a shame to say. And I probably let my dad know that, too, which is a shame on me, right? But I felt just so, so poor compared to these people. And that really drove me because they afforded things I couldn't. They afforded ski equipment that that I couldn't, like they would have two pairs of skis, one to train on, one to race on, where I only had one pair of skis. I mean, how could I <laughs> complain about this? I don't even know. But it made me realize, like, I never want money to be the reason why I couldn't do something. Mm -hmm. And so I had to figure out, well, it's not going to be what my dad did. He had a great job. He, he worked up the system at Bank of Montreal, did the corporate thing and got pretty much to the top, was, was a VP there. So very successful. 
but not to the extent that all these other people were. And I, I think that was kind of my first taste of it. Um, but then I, I just had assumed like science, I'm going to go to, I'm going to work at a hospital. I'm going to be like a quasi doctor. That's going to be great until I realized that's not really my path in life. And, um, and I, and I wanted more. Yeah. You know, I, I asked because, um, I think that there's so many places we put ourselves as entrepreneurs where we walk in and we look around and we're like, holy shit, I do not belong in this room. Right. And the most recent experience I had with it is I was golfing in a golf, a charity golf tournament. And it was at one of the prestigious um, country clubs in Las Vegas. And I accidentally walked into like the actual clubhouse instead of like where they were funneling in this charity side. And I pulled out my phone and texted my coach and was like, I'm so ready to like get in my car, drive away and drive back to my side of town. Right. Um, I think that that's the key to success though. Right. Is like walking in and sitting in that place that you don't feel like you belong until you learn about all of the things that these people know so that you do feel like you belong. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, they're a wealth of knowledge, right? Like all you have to do, all I had to do at my ski club was ask like, well, what does your dad do? What does your mom do? And kind of figure out, okay, like clearly there's an entrepreneurial thing here. And, And that's, you know, when you're looking at your friendship group when you're in your early 20s and you're kind of all like bouncing along on the same trajectory and then all of a sudden some people just break away from the pack and that's because they all the work that they had done and set themselves up at one point in time, right, for the future. And it's so funny because I, I really want to smack myself because I think I wanted to be a part of this elite group so badly that I actually changed how I acted. I mm-hmm. changed how I presented myself. So the first thing I did when I wor- worked at this luxury department store was buy a pair of Louis Vuitton shoes. I had 50% discount. And it, so they would they would have still been like $500 shoes. And I still could hardly afford them. Like that was insane. But I wanted to fit in. And I did all these things to fit in. And now it's funny because someone had mentioned to me the other day, there was a guy in my office and I had told him that I'm from Brampton, which is the suburb area. And it's like, not like a nice suburb area. Like not, this isn't um, like desperate housewives, like nice (laughs) suburbia. This is just regular suburbia. Um, And he's like, you're from Brampton? I could have sworn you were like a Toronto private school girl. And I I was so offended because I was like, I'm from Brampton. Like, (laughs) like, I am not fancy, but I, I, over time, I wanted to be these people so badly, and they all, they all went to the Toronto private schools, that I think I started just acting like them. I started hanging around them so much that it started to become who I was. And ironically, now that's kind of the persona I give across. And now I have that works against me, because I'm like, no, no, I'm just like you. Like, I struggle, yeah. whatever it is. But um, yeah, so it, it, it's ironic. You, you take on these personas. You, you be first, right? Like I just said, yeah. well, I'm going to start acting like the way rich people act. and that's going to somehow work itself out. And it kind of does work itself out like that because you mentally start preparing yourself that that's who you are before you even are that person. You start doing the things that you know wealthy, successful people do. And ironically, that makes you wealthy and successful. Although now here I am trying to undo all those behaviors and find find my true roots again. But yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And That is so much of why it's important to be careful who you want to imitate, right? And this takes us into the social media world a little bit because 
everybody's rich and famous on social media. Just ask them, they'll tell you, right? Um, everyone is. And so you see people doing things and you're like, oh, I want what they have. So I'm going to do what they're doing. But outside of the screen, they don't have it. So this is where the authentic marketing really comes into play. And I'm excited to get your take on this because I feel like there was a time where information was enough. You didn't have to bring your personality into things. You didn't have to be different because there was nowhere else we could get it. Like Google wasn't a thing. So you found somebody who was giving you information and you soaked it in. Well, now I can go get information from Google anytime I want it. So why would I listen to this person? So how much of this flamboyant personality mixed with authenticness, mixed with information is what you do and help people with in the social media world? Here's the question I get a lot is, how much should I do this? How many hashtags? Which, what filter should I put on? What should I talk about? How should I say it? I get so many questions from people. And my answer is honestly, like you're overthinking it. Quite honestly, you're, you're overthinking all those little details. If you can just put a camera on you and just try your best to be yourself. And it, that takes time. Like, it's not like the camera goes on and you're happy to be who you are because you're insecure and self-conscious and you have all these armors that you put up to protect yourself. And now I'm like literally telling you to take them all off. And you're like, but I've spent the last decade putting them on. Why would I take them all off? But that's kind of the goal here. What I have found and what I've noticed works is that the more people are authentic, the more people talk like themselves, mm -hmm. spell like themselves, dress like themselves, the better they seem to do, the more connections they seem to make. There's something about getting yourself and your expression through the, the screen that not everyone can do. And I'm on my journey of that as well. Like right before here, I was like brushing my hair, like, oh, does my hair look bad? But here's the funny thing, Amber, if you knew me personally, my hair never looks good. You know, yeah. like, so why I'm bothered? But I mean, it looks great now. I say, yeah, like, like your hair's awful. It never looks good. No, it's, well, no, it but you know, great. So when I first started my content journey, I got hair extensions. I had eyelash oh my extensions. Gosh. I was doing all of the things until I realized like, I don't have that kind of time to devote to my looks because I'm not selling my looks. Yeah. I'm selling my experience. I'm selling my education. I'm selling my knowledge. And so the looks component really shouldn't be the most important thing if that's not what you're selling. If that's what you're selling, then that's a different story. Yeah. But that's like not if you're going to be I'm a makeup artist. Yeah, I'm you, you got to do stuff, here. right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And so you know, I, at some point uh, you just go, it. fuck it. Like I can't, I can't focus this much attention on what I look like. I have to really worry more about what I'm saying. And am I conveying myself in a way that I'm proud of and a way that is natural for me? Because people are going to meet me in person anyways. Like when you transact real estate, you end up meeting with people. So you're going to figure it out soon enough that I'm not airbrushed in person and that yeah. Or if I don't know what I'm talking about, that I don't know what I'm talking about. And so I think faking it till you make it on social media can work for a little bit, but at some point you're going to get discovered for sure. Yeah. And I think that it comes, especially in any type of service provider relationship where you meet that person and now they're expecting to have a relationship with this social media person that they saw. And you've attracted a whole bunch of people that aren't the actual people that you want to serve because you were somebody else on social media, right? Before social media was as big as it was now, when I started my law firm, I would have a client come in and they're like, is it 
casual day. And I'm like, no, it's be yourself day. Like I, I, if you need an attorney that's going to show up in a suit to a meeting in my office, I'm not that for you. Like go pay somebody a thousand dollars an hour. You can pay for their suit. Like that's fine. I want to be comfortable. You decide. Um, and my mom was like, you are going to lose business. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm going to lose the business I don't want because frankly, that's not who I want to serve. But I bet you attracted people who like absolutely love that their lawyer lawyer was comfortable and that the lawyer wasn't spending money on the suits. Like, it's so funny because you repel some people, but you, what mm -hmm. you end up doing is gaining better people for you. Like I yeah. always say, you know, as real estate agents, we're driving around with people, right? And if I put something on social media and I get a client because of whatever reason that was not authentic to me, and now I'm stuck with them in a car on my Saturday for three hours, Yes, we have nothing in common and nothing to talk about. Like that is an awful way to spend your life. Where now I put my dog on social media. I, I put my struggles with uh, IVF on social media. And now I'm sitting with people and we're just having really amazing conversations because they were attracted to that in me. Mm -hmm. We have something in common perhaps. And we're talking about the things that I love. And now all of a sudden my Saturday doesn't feel so daunting. Like it's a great way to spend my time because I'm spending it with people who I who like me, trust me, and who I like and trust them. So it's a much better business strategy to do that because it's going to keep you going. It's going to keep the momentum up other than faking it and getting a deal done. But you knowing that like you did that deal based off of not even being yourself. It's like yeah. a lie, you know, it doesn't feel as good. Yeah. And I mean, I think the days of having a purchase be a transaction are gone. People want a relationship. They want to feel like they have a continued relationship with somebody that they're working with. Um, and I know people who will pay more to work with somebody that they like than pay less to work with somebody that they don't like. And so this no like and trust factor is huge. And here we are trying to be somebody different on social media so that we look right compared to what everybody else says that we should look like. So I love that conversation so much. And this is what you dig into on your podcast. And I want to dig into this for just a minute because I think it's so valuable. What's the name of your podcast? So it's called From the Ground Up Show. It's based off of the company that we started, which is called From the Ground Up. And you might be thinking, well, that's an awfully long name for a company. But it's because it's what we believe. So me and my business partner really, truly believe that when it comes to social media, when it comes to your business, there's nothing more important than setting the foundation. So our media company doesn't promote buying followers. I've never bought a follower. Uh, we don't promote buying likes. We don't promote like faking it till you make it. It's setting the right foundation and letting it grow and having patience over time. And so the whole point of the podcast is it's just a 10 minute podcast episode. We try to get like the information out really, really quickly um, just to help people kind of explore what's stopping them from producing content. Like, why can't yeah. you put camera on? Well, I have a pimple today. Okay, great. <laughs> but like, did you go to the Starbucks with that pimple? Yes. So someone saw you with the pimple. Great. So let's put it on camera and trying to encourage people to almost make fun of themselves. The more you make fun of yourself or the more you put your flaws out there, now you've taken away their ability to do it to you. So it's like that Eminem eight mile. I was you know, just going to say the same thing. I love it's it. That. Like, like Eminem is my, my jam. Like if I do karaoke, it's Eminem. Just, just <laughs> <like>. Oh, <laughs> it is good for the world that you are so far away. If you're a karaoke person, cause we could rock some Vegas karaoke. 
damn it. Next time I'm there, I'm go we're going to have to do it for sure. Um, yes. that's, like that movie and it, like maybe we've aged ourselves yet again. Um, <laughs> I don't know your age, so I'm really just talking to myself. Eminem uh, age. Eminem age. Okay. So fair <laughs> um, like that is so powerful. And so for anyone who hasn't watched it, you should watch it because at the end of the day, the guy just rips on himself. And now yeah. the other guy that's supposed to battle him has nothing to say. And so it's like, just put that shit out there. And then what you realize is most people don't actually give a crap about you. Like, let's put our egos in check for a second. Someone's scrolling on social media and they might go like this with their thing and say, ooh, Christine got a little chunky. And then, then they're going to scroll past it and they're going to move on. And guess what? Christine probably said that about you because she feels insecure about herself and her looks. So yeah. it really has nothing to do with you. And no one's thinking about you tomorrow and the next day. They're thinking about you simply in the moment that they saw the post and then they moved on to go and make fun of or rip on or judge the next person. Just yeah. like you don't, you don't worry about your friends every single moment of the day or the people you know. You're not judging everybody all the time. It happens for a split second and then you're like, oh my God, myself. Oh my God, did I get groceries? Oh my gosh, my job. Like whatever else you're worrying about yeah. in your day-to-day -day life, right? Well, and this is where that whole authentic, vulnerable, honest conversation becomes so important. I was just having this conversation with somebody about sales because I was like, I have this amazing program that I'm launching and few people know about it because I don't call people and tell them about it. And she's like, well, why not? And I'm like, because I freaking hate sales. That's why. And she says, so why don't you start the conversation like that? And be like, dude, I hate sales as much as you do. And I also know I'm doing you a disservice if I don't tell you about this. So I'm swallowing all of the fear and having this conversation, take it or leave it. And I'm like, it's so simple. Like the, the pimple conversation, like doing the video and saying, I really don't want to do this because of this and I'm doing it anyways. And then going on and doing your thing and you empower so many people. So not only do you get the message across, but you get people who are saying, you know what, you're right. Like I should just go do it anyways. And it's such a powerful place to be in. Well, giving feels good, right? And so yeah. it's funny if you'd ever give and you never give people the opportunity to kind of give back to you and comment, like you're never going to start that cycle for yourself. And I find that the Obviously, doing deals is great. Making money is great to a certain extent. But what I have found the most joy in what I'm doing now is when I get those messages of like, Laura, I really needed to hear this today. Like, yep. Laura, thank you so much for showing that video about your pimple. Like, I've done that. Like, I got a pimple today. Make fun of myself. No one else now can say anything. And it's giving people the permission to be flawed. Like, yeah. we all kind of suck a lot at a lot of things. We suck as a, as a race, like just as human beings. We're pretty awful. Um, but let's give ourselves the permission. Like everyone's the same. We're all in the same boat. We all have our insecurities. And and sadly for me, I feel like I have to speak up from the, the women's perspective, A, because I mm -hmm. am a woman, so I have that experience, but because I think that's what holds so many women back. And I think it holds more women back based on a looks perspective than it does men. I, I can't speak to the... Um, the education and the insecurity of how I sound or, you know, if I'm a minority and I'm not sure if people will will like the fact that I'm bringing more attention to me being a minority and things like that. But 
definitely from a female perspective, like I can't get my colleagues to go on camera. They're real estate agents. And I'm like, you know that your male counterparts are all doing this. They all have podcasts. They all have shows. They're putting themselves on camera and social media every day. And you're not doing anything because you don't like how you look. They're going to win because if you're not speaking to the audience, your community, your people, your database, they are. Someone else is. And eventually, and eventually they're going to speak to them so much more often than you are that they're going to win them over and you're going to have zero business. And this is in an industry where women have notoriously done very, very well. in. some of the best, excuse me, agents in my office are women. Um, but I worry for them because they're just not willing to put themselves out there. And it's for what it's, it's so many excuses, right? I, I hear yeah. the excuses. And then I say, but is it fear? And everyone's like, it's not fear. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Of, of anything. course not. I'm not afraid of anything. Sure. Yeah. I'm not, okay, so let's break this down. Okay, so wh- what is your worry that if, I hear this a lot, I'm a perfectionist. Okay, so what do you want to be perfect? Well, I want the post to be perfect. Well, according to who? Well, me, the post that I think is perfect. Okay, so you, what you think the post is, yes. Okay, so why don't you post it then? Well, because what if somebody else doesn't think it's perfect? <laughs> okay, so you think it, so you recognize that not everyone views the post the same way. Okay, so it's what your friends think. Yeah. And it's what they're going to say. Well, what are your friends going to say? That like, maybe I don't really know what I'm talking about, which makes you feel insecure. So yeah. it's fear. Like I have to like literally walk them along this street because they, people don't like, they, no self-awareness is not <laughs> a skill that a lot and of people have. For us who teach it, like self-awareness, there's so many times where I'll, my coach will have the same conversation with me or I'll be, you know, just on this mastermind call that I was telling about that we were talking about sales. Um, they're saying these things to me and I'm like, I know guys, like I would say the same things to my clients that doesn't help with the way I'm feeling right now. Right. Yeah. So it's so yeah. important to be able to have that person that will that will do that for you. One of the most powerful quotes I ever heard was maybe you're not afraid of failing. Maybe you're just afraid of what people will think about you if you fail. And the moment that I heard that, I was like, that's it. Like nobody, if we were afraid of failing, we would all still be sitting, not knowing how to walk, like not knowing where anything's at. Um, We're not afraid because when nobody's looking, we push ourselves. But it's when we have to do it in a place where people might see that we're like, oh, wait, no, what if I, what if I don't do it right? And if you put, and that's what the thing about social media, because now you've put it out there. And it's so never going away. Watching, right. And yeah. I think my experience of failing so much throughout my twenties and not figuring it out has at least given me that little bit, like I'm okay with it. Cause I've, I know I've gotten past it. Um, but I still have a lot to learn too. Like, you know, some people will say, well, Laura, you make it look so easy. It's natural to you. It's like you hold up the camera, you do. It. I'm like, you should have seen my first post. 18 takes. It took an hour and it was awful. And like my face was as red as an apple, like so embarrassed, so insecure. And then I thought, let me do it again and again and again. And I'm not going to post it. I'll do it tomorrow when I feel better. Some days, like even today, I was like, shoot, I got a podcast recording today, which means I know I'm going to have a camera on me. And I was like, like, did I wear the right thing or, you know, and sometimes when people cancel on me, I'm like, whoo, thank God that podcast is canceled because now I don't have to put myself out there. But at the same time, and Amber, maybe you can speak to this too, is that you also know that the days that you did push it yourself, the days that you did it anyway, and the days that you did it when your hair's in a pony and you look awful, like you're almost like patting yourself yeah. on the back. So like, kudos to me for not giving a shit. And that doesn't mean that you don't necessarily not give a shit. It just means you didn't give a shit enough for it to stop yeah. you. 
That's it. Well, I'm not telling you not to care what people think. I'm telling you, yeah. don't let it stop you. Do it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's interesting because when I started my podcast, I didn't have a business to go along with it yet. It was a passion project. I never expected to become a coach and a trainer. It just came with the territory when I talked about everything I talked about. And so I had these funds and I was like, I don't want to make this this expensive hobby. So what's the minimum I'm willing to put into it? So I was like, I'm going to do my own editing. And then nothing got posted. And I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to hire an editor. And from that moment, it just took off because I didn't listen to anything that I sent them until it was live. I went back and listened to all of my episodes so that I could give myself feedback on what I wish I would have done differently, what I could do different next time, where I could improve, but none of it until it was live because I didn't want to call and say, hey, don't publish this. And then that's why I also switched to live recordings for my podcast. When I went to video instead of audio, I would sit there and critique it constantly. And so I switched to live because you do it live and and it's there and it's done. And that's a great hack for like people who are on Instagram, like hack for people who are like, I'm so scared. I can't do the video is to go live on Instagram because you're going to have two people who show up or zero. Mm -hmm. I've actually gone live on Instagram and had zero people. And I talk to myself just practice yeah. because it's live. You can't do anything about it. So when you say, oh, I said, um, or I stuttered my word or it didn't really make sense. And my clothes, you do that. In like what I just did just there. I, I stopped my sentence halfway. I started saying something else. That's what we do in real life. And yeah. so once you get kind of get over that and you do it on camera, now all of a sudden I can like get a video done in 30 seconds. It's posted. I don't rewatch it. I actually never rewatch any of my videos because I'll critique them and I'll do the same thing that you just said. And I also have a team that helps me kind of like post some of like my, my podcasts and things like that. I never rewatch them. Yeah. Because I know I'll just get in my own way. So finding the hacks and knowing like where you're struggling and then hiring or outsourcing things to other people. Maybe it's even like your niece or your nephew are probably better at YouTube than you are anyways. Like outsource that shit. <laughs> don't yeah, try absolutely. to be a hero for everything. It's so true. We don't have to do it all. Um, I want to ask you this, and I wish I would have asked it earlier, but we were having such amazing conversations. So we're going to throw it in now. Um you talked about in your podcast something called the success table and it caught my interest. And so I want to know what is the success table? The success table is really um, a little passion project that me and my business partner came up with together. Um, so he is, he didn't go to university, right? So Jazz Tacker, I believe he was on your show. He so, was. Um, so maybe, maybe your listeners already know him. So he didn't go to university. His university really has been just going out in the world, trying things, learning, failing, retrying things, and also a lot of mindset books, personal mm -hmm. development books. And so very early on when I started working with him, like he would spew a lot of these like foo-foo things, like stop comparing yourself to others, shut out the noise, um, ready, fire, aim, and instead of ready, aim, fire, like we're all taught. And I, at first I was like, this is so silly. Like all this stuff, like you didn't learn that in a textbook. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm the educated one. Yes. What I, what I soon came to realize is that he really was right on all these things. And so we came up with 13, um, elements that we think, um, lead to successful people. Now, whether or not I have aced those things for myself is somewhat irrelevant <laughs> because I think we're all just on the journey, 
right? Yes. So it's just 13 things that that we kind of think that if people want to be successful, they can work towards. And I think the biggest one from the ground up is one. So that's one, right? Like building things properly with a strong foundation. If you want a solid business, you can't be screwing over clients just to get one good deal done. You have to think yep. about five years out. Are you being referred? Are you being talked about in a way that you like to be talked about? Um, stop comparing yourself to others. So often we do this. When I said, oh, my friends are getting raises and promotions. That's me comparing myself to my friends. That does nobody any good. Where I think I've had the hardest lesson is ready, fire, aim, because I was one of those people who used to say, I'm a perfectionist. Yes. So I, I've made all these mistakes and that's why I can speak to them because it's like, I've done it. Like, it's not like I was just born this way and these things come naturally. Like I work on them every single day. And so that's just like a fun little thing that we've created for ourselves as reminders whenever we're kind of feeling in a bad mood, you know, like let's look to the board. We have it graffitied all over uh, one of the walls in our offices. Let's look to that board and say like, which is the real problem that we're struggling mm -hmm. right with right now. And we try to focus our attention on that. And, and that helps, you know, move the needle in some small way. Yeah, I love that. And I really think the reason I brought it up is because I really think that it's so incredibly important for everybody to kind of build their own. Like you could share your entire success table and it wouldn't be unique to anybody who's listening, right? Like we all have individual challenges, although many times they're tied to the same fears and human emotions. Um, but I really think it's a cool thing for everybody to sit down and say, okay, what is my success table? What are my 13 things or 10 or 15 or whatever the number is? So I think that's really cool that you guys have set that up. Um, yeah, you talk and about some of them are like different uh, priorities. Sorry. Right? Yeah, like, no, you're I, fine. I would say for a lot of my staff, They'll come to me and they say, I have a lot of anxiety, which, which I hear a lot. And I too have suffered from anxiety being debilitating at times. And what I've realized, like a lot of, there's things that can, that cause it in a way, like we all think, yeah. oh, I'm just born like this. I'm like, I get it, but we need, this is where you have a weakness. You need to fill in the hole. So it's like, what's the hack? Okay. Well, maybe I spent way too much time watching every single real housewives of whatever last night. And yeah. all I watched was catty women yelling at each other. Like, how is that going to help my mental state? So it's like understanding garbage in, garbage out. That's one of them as well. So each person at different phases of their life needs to draw on different things to kind of help them through it. And so you're right. It can be, you can change the success table to be whatever you think you need it to be at that time. Yeah, absolutely. So you talk about this on your podcast. Your podcast is From the Ground Up. Where can people find it? They can find it wherever you listen pretty much to podcast anywhere. YouTube, if you want to watch it as well. From the Ground Up Media is is the name of the channel everywhere. So, yeah, just do a little Google search. You'll find it. <laughs> little Google search. Do you remember when we used to, here's dating me all over again. Do you remember when Google used to be just like, ask Jeeves? Like, you'd be like, just ask Jeeves. Just ask Jeeves what you should do. Like, that's what I ask think about when everybody's like, ask the Google. I know. Um, and now you don't even have to type it. You just say it to your phone. And or you say it to somebody else <laughs> and your phone tells you anything anyways, which was creepy as fuck. Um, I don't know. I'm a little concerned. It's so I practice immigration and um, I do immigration and criminal defense in my law firm. And a lot of times um, clients will say, well, do you like, do you really think I need to disclose this? Like, do you think the government knows? And I'm like, do you really want to place a bet on what the government might or might not know about you? Because I don't like I, I don't. Um, it's terrifying. Fair enough. 
it's and I terrifying think about it because then it <laughs> it's so true. Like then you get the tin hat and you end up like in the corner. So I feel that um, if people want to continue this conversation, they want to learn more about what you're doing in the social media world. Um, continue talking to such an amazing human being. What's the best place for them to um, to reach out to you? Yeah, I'm really moving my energies towards TikTok right now. Um, I just feel from a media perspective, that's high on the list in terms of engagement and audience. So you can follow me there, Laura Stewart T.O., which stands for Toronto, Laura Stewart T.O. But I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn because I truly believe this is my little like nugget I'll leave people with is you have to be everywhere. Because sometimes people listen to podcasts, sometimes they watch podcasts, sometimes they're on TikTok. Maybe my grandmother's on Facebook. Oh, my grand, my mother's on Facebook. <laughs> uh, my grandmother's definitely not on Facebook. Um, so, you know, you have to be wherever people are and understand that there's audiences across all platforms and people are on different platforms for different reasons. So depending on the reason you want to be on whatever platform, you can find me again, Laura Stewart T.O. on all platforms. I love that. And it's so important because the algorithm's different. So you might have the same set of followers on each, which you don't. I promise you, you don't. But even if you do have an overlap, they're not all seeing it on both platforms because of the way the algorithm works. So that's so important as well. So the biggest compliment I get is when people say, I see you everywhere. Yeah. That's a lot better than seeing me nowhere. As a real estate agent, that, why do you think we used to plaster our faces on bus stops and uh, billboards? Because we wanted mm -hmm. people to see us everywhere. But yeah. now people aren't looking up. They're looking in their phone. And so it's important mm -hmm. to be on all those channels, small business owners, anyone who's looking like to do a side hustle. You have to have to get out of your own way. You have to find a way to communicate with the world, whether that's through an audio podcast, a blog or videos, figure out whatever your strength is and just like hammer down on that because it's the only way you're going to get out of the, the rat race. That you I love in. it. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. Last question before we move into a quick little random round. I ask every single one of my guests this question because I truly believe that this should be the foundation of everything that you do. And I believe it's not asked enough. What does success mean to you? How do you define success for yourself? And how does that inform every decision you make? So if you had asked this to my younger self, I probably would have given you a number, like how much I want to earn. I think when I was in university, it was 250 grand. I didn't dream very big as a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, you know, once you hit that threshold, you think, well, shit, I'm no happier than I was when I didn't make that kind of money. And unfortunately, you only learn that lesson as you when make you more hit money it. because you, you move the needle a couple times and you still realize like I'm no happier. So yeah. now success to me truly is, I would say, peace of mind. And I don't feel I have peace of mind. So again, this is a work in progress. Um, I, I think I still worry it too much what other people think. I'm too concerned about with societal pressures. And I know that if I can at least move the needle in that place in my life, I'll be that much happier because I'm just confident with who I am. I'm comfortable with my decisions. I go with my gut. And here's the thing. I would never know the decision the other way. Like I would never, if I, if I went and did the nutrition thing after university, I would never know all this. Mm -hmm. So I may as well be happy with the decisions I make because there's really no way of going back and knowing anything different. Yeah. I so love success it. is peace of mind. I love it. And I love the journey aspect of it too, because it's, you're right. Like it's not this place that you get to go live in this like happy, successful, like pot of gold world. Like it's something that's constantly moving that we get to adjust to fit because it's life, right? 
And isn't it just so damn exhausting? Like sometimes I find yes. myself in the shower and I'm having a conversation with somebody. We haven't even spoken. Like this never came up. I'm having a fake conversation about a fake topic that never actually happened. I'm assuming what I think they'd say. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting all mad, getting pissed off. And every now and then I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This never happened. Yeah. Like you, we really have. And like my whole state was changed. Like I was in a bad mood. Like you have to realize like most of your problems are like inside of here. Yeah, Um, they're not actually happening to you in real life. And so for me, if I can just calm those voices down, and I can just start focusing on the things that really matter. I mean, I think everyone, that's a lesson for everybody to learn. Yeah, I agree. Are you familiar with Brene Brown's work? No. Okay, so Brene Brown is a um, shame and vulnerability researcher from Texas. And she has a set of TED Talks that literally changed my life. When I was at my rock bottom and I walked into my therapist's office for the first time and bawled because I didn't need therapy, but couldn't form sentences. um, She gave me Brene Brown's Ted talk and um, I consumed all of her content and she made this YouTube special and she's the Ted talks are great. They're about an hour to watch. They're amazing. Um, But she had this YouTube special where she expanded on them. And she tells this story about her and her husband swimming in a lake in Texas. And she's telling the story in her head about why he's not talking to her when she's trying to have this close romantic moment with him and he's ignoring her. And then in her head, she's like, well, he must think I look fat in my swimsuit or he must not really be attracted to me anymore. And so finally, like she breaks down and he's like, I couldn't hear you. Like I had, I I was swimming, I was in the water. I was just trying not to drown. Like I couldn't hear you. And so from that story, they, or from that experience, they in their marriage created this rule that like they stop each other and they're like, wait, the story in my head is this. We need to talk about this. And she talks about how much that changed the game in communication for her in relationships, both personal and professional, of like stopping somebody and saying, the story I'm telling myself right now is this. And if that's not what's actually going on, like, I, I, I need to know, like, we need to talk. And I thought that was just genius. Damn it. It always comes back to communication. I know. It sucks. Like, we actually got to be honest and talk to people. Yeah. Laura, I have loved this conversation. I feel like we could talk forever. Um, However, I do want to be respectful of your time. So I just have a quick set of random round questions for you. Are you okay with that? I think I saw the gulp. I know, right? (laughs) Every time I look at somebody and I see a gulp, I'm like, okay, all right. It's painless, I promise. Um, (laughs) If you could do anything other than what you're doing now, what profession do you think would be fun to attempt? Uh, Well, I wish I, I always wished I was like an Olympian. Okay. So like skier I, or something else? Like anything. I just want to win a gold medal. I, gotcha. I think being an athlete is like the coolest thing. And maybe as women, we don't have enough like professional sports to look up to. So I would always saw myself as an Olympian gymna- gymnastics, diving, track and field, whatever. I think that would have been the coolest thing. Like to win a medal for your country to me would have yeah. been the coolest thing. That's Go really can. cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm half Canadian. I can support that. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? I think I'd go to the future um, because I think that would be telling about the things that matter and the things that didn't matter, either like from a global perspective, like things that we've focused on in the last couple of years 
environmental changes, like what are some of the things that we can impact, but also just like my future self so that I could like say, you know, shit, it was all the decisions that you were making back then that I'm either proud of now or not. And it would kind of be nice to know if I'll be proud of those things. Like, (laughs) you know, this is supposed to be rapid fire, but you know, let me just give the context. Like I I I struggle a lot with right now, I'm 37 years old and I don't have any kids. And I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to be a massive regret if it doesn't happen. And I really struggle with that kind of future, like peace of mind that we were talking about. So I would love to kind of know, like see me in the future and say like, no, it it was all okay. It all turned out all right. Yeah. I mean, I would as well. And that's kind of like the amazingness of life is not knowing, right? Which is so stupid because we hate not knowing. So it's like the great and the awful all in one. It's always Um, the same. Yeah. Yes. I truly believe that reading and consuming knowledge is so important in shortcutting our path to success. For you, what book have you recommended to people the most? The first book that I read getting into the personal development world was Success Principles by Jack Canfield. It's a long book, but it really like slapped me in the face because I think in very early on, he talks about how like everything is your fault and really taking on that responsibility. And I, you know, so quick are people to blame other people. But I think once you decide like it's my fault, I'm the reason this is what it is. Now you have all the options in the world to change it. And I think that was very, very powerful. And obviously all his other principles in the book were very helpful. But that one to me was like, it just hit home, just hit home for me. I love it. And my last question, which is very much self-serving and it's my podcast, so it can be. Um, I'm a music nerd. What is your pump up song? What is it that you listen to to put yourself in a good mood? To put myself in a good mood. I am like a 90s rap kid. Uh, that's the Eminem reference. Yeah. But like, so like Notorious B.I.G., like anything down that avenue, I, I when that comes on the radio, I'm like in my jam, like windows down, even in the window, <laughs> I'm fist pumping, I'm loving it. Um, something about that, I don't know, it just makes me feel so good. Not that I, you know, that I have uh, any reference to the streets, <laughs> so I can't relate to the music per se. But man, the, the, well, that to me was rap like at its prime. It, I'll never, I'll never uh, look at rap today. And I'm sure it's it's better than it was. But it's just I don't know. It speaks to me something about your childhood and the music that listened to you informed and was informative times in your life. And I love B-I-G. it. I love it. Laura, thank you so much for taking some time to share your amazing story and insight and social media knowledge with our followers. Um, It's really been a great conversation. I've been glad to have you. Yeah, I've had an absolute blast. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in the name of that facebook group is success center head over there request to join and i look forward to connecting with you soon